Well, good morning, New Life. Good morning, friends. This is my church. You're my people. If, uh, if we've not met, I, I look forward to when we do. Uh, I love being a part of this church and a part of this family and this community. I'm over at MVNU. It's my full-time gig over there. Math professor, but uh, also understand God's call in my life to share the good news. So I get to do that. Um, it's an exciting time of the year when uh, college students start moving back. Kenyan students start coming back and MVNU students as well. Some of you guys are, are back. Welcome uh, from, your, from your break. And I hope that uh, you'll feel welcome here. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk today uh, out of the book of Mark. I really appreciate the book of Mark. I've been able to spend quite a bit of time in this book over the years. Um, Mark, Mark was Peter's understudy, so we get a, a, an interesting perspective as Mark has followed Peter around through his ministry, and there's just a lot in, in Mark that I have been able to learn from. We're actually going to start in chapter 4, and uh, we'll end in chapter 8, and then we'll break for supper. Uh, we'll we're just going to touch on a few things, but there's a really fun, amazing, and powerful story that, that starts in chapter 4, and then we get back to it in chapter 7 and kind of see how it ends, it wraps up in chapter 8. So we'll do that. So in chapter 4, Jesus, well, let me just kind of set the stage here. We find Jesus preaching over here on, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, he's preaching on the shore, and the people are pressing in so much that he decides to get in a boat and push away from the push away from the shore a little bit, so he can see the crowd gathered there on the shore. There, um, at the end of chapter four, in verse thirty-five, we read this. He said, "That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let 'Let's go over to the other side.' Well, that would mean if they're over here." on the west side of the Sea of Galilee, that they're going to get in the boat and go over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And I want you to understand that that's not just, you know, like walking across the aisle and sitting in the other chair, although for some of us that's hard. But this is, this is a big deal. Um, so let's go back about a thousand years to the time when, and we were singing about it, coming out of Egypt, uh, when they came out of Egypt and into the desert because... Some folks were convincing that they couldn't go into the promised land because the folks there were too big and powerful. So they wandered through the desert for 40 years, and then they crossed over the River Jordan into the promised land, which is the, the land of Canaan, seven tribes of Canaan. And not only were there a lot of folks that engaged the Israelites as they moved into the land of Canaan, into the promised land, but there were also those that fled, those that left, and they went over here to the other side. They went over here to the east side of, of the Sea of Galilee to a region called Decapolis. Uh, think of like Decade or Decimal or December or um, Decagon. Ten, ten, ten cities is what Decapolis is. And so Decapolis is this region over here that has been occupied for many years by, by pagans. Uh, and it's a very hedonistic society. There's a, in, in terms of, of the Jewish faith, there's a lot about this culture over here on the east side that is just not welcoming at all. And if you think about it, it would make sense that the folks over here on the, on the east side would not be very welcoming of those on the, on the west because they know the story. They got kicked out of their land. And not being on the same team, they probably weren't too happy with God either for who are they to come in here and tell us that this is their promised land and they kicked us out? So there's, there's probably some animosity between the Hatfields and the McCoys, between the folks here on the, on the west side and on the east side. So when Jesus says at the end of that day, hey, let's go over to the other side, he's saying let's go over here. And so they do. And if we had till supper... We could talk about the crossing of the sea and the big storm that comes in and Jesus is asleep. But we're going to skip over to when Jesus gets to the other side and he gets out of his boat. And what does he, 
What does he find? Well, he's approached by a man that comes out of the graveyard, and the man is demon-possessed. The man, the man is so demon-possessed that they have control over him. In fact, you don't, you're not really sure if Jesus is talking to the man or if he's talking to the demons that are in full control of his life. And the, the demons ask for God's mercy. They said, please don't torture us. And there's this conversation between the demons in this man and, and Jesus. And Jesus casts the demons into this herd of pigs that's on the hillside. And the pigs all run down into the sea and are drowned. And there sits this man who is now at peace. And he's calm. He's of sound mind. The folks who see this happen, the herdsmen of the pigs, for starters, and then the folks that are around, they see this and they're just shocked. And they go back to the village and they spread the word and the people come out because, you see, they know this guy. They know this guy that has just now been set free from the power of all evil, those demons that were in him. They, they know him as the man that lives in the grace, graveyard Multiple times, they tried to contain him. They tried to shackle him. They tried to tie him. They tried to bind him so that he wouldn't be destructive and he would break free. So the people in the village and all that area, they understood the power of the evil that was in this man. And here he is sitting at peace and of sound mind. And the people go to Jesus and say, leave. Get out of here. I, I can't really blame them. That would kind of freak me out too if I did not understand what had just happened. If I didn't know Jesus, if I didn't understand the situation from the perspective of the saving power of Jesus to heal this man of all of the evil that was in him, they asked him to leave. They insisted, they pleaded with him that he would leave. And so he starts to get in his boat and so now he's getting in his boat, and we're in chapter 5, verse 19. When the man says to Jesus, take me with you, let me come with you, and Jesus did not let him, Jesus says, no, no, you're not coming with us. Mark chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, in those ten cities. He went through the region of those ten cities and told how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Let's go back to 519. Go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. In, in, in essence, what Jesus is saying is, I need you to go tell your story because they don't want me and they won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. Go home to your people and you tell your story of what I've done in your life and how I've shown mercy on you. And then Jesus leaves. He leaves the east side, and he goes back over to the west side. Now that you know where the disciples are more comfortable, they're among the the Israelites over here on the west side. And it's some really amazing stories that we're just going to touch on as we go through here. But it's during this time now that Jesus um, heals the daughter of Jairus. Um, and raises her back to life. But then it's also during this time that Jesus is surrounded by this huge crowd. People are pressing in. And in the crowd, there's a lady who is no doubt disguised or she's hidden. You can imagine a lady wearing, like, imagine wearing a cloak with a hood. And she's just hiding herself because... She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. 
She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She's been bleeding. And in the culture, in the Jewish culture, if you're bleeding, you're unclean. It's like the lepers. You're unclean. And so she had been separated from her community, from her family. She had not been able to go into the temple to worship. She had been set as, I mean, basically pushed aside to the margins just because of her condition of bleeding for 12 years. And she says, she understands, she knows the power of Jesus. So she says, if I can just push my way, if I can just push my way through the crowd, I know that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his wings, there's healing in those wings. If I can just touch that, I know that I will be healed. And so that's what she does. There's this massive crowd pushing in against Jesus, and she works her way through, and she touches the hem of his garment, and immediately she knows, and she is. She is healed. She turns, because that's what she came for. She came for healing. Thank you, God. She's healed. She's going to leave. Crazy thing happens. Jesus, with all these people pressing in around him, goes... Whoa, somebody touched me. And I, I, I'm sure there was a snarky one in the crowd that's like, yeah, a hundred of them. They touched you. But he goes, no, 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 somebody touched me and healing went out of my body. Jesus knew who it was. You see, that lady came and he, she just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment so that she could be healed. But Jesus had so much more in mind. He calls her out. He brings her into the light. She is no longer hidden. So you see, she wanted to be healed, but Jesus said, but I also, I also want to make you whole. I want to restore you to community. I want to story, restore you to fellowship. I want to restore you to the community of worship. So that she wasn't just healed. But she was made whole. So that happened while Jesus is over here on the west side. And also over here, it's, this is the time in, in, in Mark where we can read about the feeding of the 5,000. Where, you know, 5,000 counting men only. So there's a whole lot more folks there. But <clears throat> Jesus feeds 5,000 of them with just five loaves and a few fish. That's crazy. And at the end of it, they collect the baskets and there's 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, we can pick the story up, and if we go into Mark chapter 7, at the end of Mark chapter 7, it says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, and then down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of Decapolis. What are you doing, Jesus? You know what happened the last time we were here. Yep, you freed that man of that legion of demons. But you know they kicked us out of there. They made us leave and now you're going back? Yep. Mark chapter 7, verse 32. There in Decapolis... Some people brought to him a man who was deaf and mute, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. What? What happened? Why? One chapter we're reading where they're kicking Jesus out, and the next chapter they're begging him to heal the man. What made them think that he could heal him? Verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. What happened between Mark chapter 5 and now here in Mark chapter 7? Go. Go to your people and tell them 
what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. But then we look over in chapter 8 and it gets even more amazing. In chapter 8, it tells us that after preaching and teaching to 4,000 people for three days there in Decapolis, he says, we should probably feed these folks. And his disciples are like, there's nothing around here for us to feed him. And I just wouldn't be surprised if Jesus was like, do we have any fish? And like, yeah, we do. But we just have seven, seven fish and just, I mean, just, just, a, just seven loaves and, and a few fish. <laughs> Jesus feeds all of them. 4,000 men and then not counting the women and children. Jesus feeds them all. And when everyone's fed, they collect seven baskets of leftovers. Go, go to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I've tried to, I've, I've journeyed, I've journeyed with this story for a while now because I am, I am growing in my understanding in the, of, in the power of story. And there's two things that I know are true for this man. And I know those same two things are true for us. And those two things are this man needed to tell his story. And secondly, his people needed to hear his story. I mean, let me talk about the first one there. This man needed to tell his story. Just like when Jesus healed the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years... It wasn't sufficient. Jesus wasn't, wasn't settled with just healing that woman. Not just healing, but Jesus wanted the, per, the woman to be whole. And in order for that, person, that woman to have complete healing back to wholeness, she had to go public with, I'm not talking about Facebook and Instagram. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about she had to tell her story. She had to go public. She had to let everyone know what God had done in her life because if she had kept it a secret that God had healed her then there would not have been restoration to community there would not have been that that certainty that she was now restored into the family of believers but in her in her public telling of her story there when Jesus healed her that restoration began in the very same way, it wouldn't have been enough for that man who had been freed from the power of evil and all the demons sent out of him and him being restored to his right mind. That wouldn't have been enough. There was still a need for wholeness. There was still a need for restoration. There was still a need for his story to be told. It's not enough for the work, for the healing to begin in you as members of the family of God. We are called to share that. That's not just out of your kindness, like, oh, that was really nice of you to share. No, no, no. It's not just out of kindness that you share your story. It's because it is necessary for your healing and your wholeness and your restoration that's why this man had to tell his story. Go home to your people and tell the story of what the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. But secondly, I also am confident, I know, that it was really important that this person tell his story because his people needed to hear the story. You see, Jesus said, no, don't come with me. You need to stay here. You go. You go tell the people your story. Because they had already told Jesus to leave. They had already told him, get out of here. We don't want you here. 
but he, he was part of them. And so in that telling of his story, he was able to tell them the good news of the gospel, the healing and the restoring power of Jesus Christ. He was able to speak Jesus, which not only brought him healing, but it also allowed healing to come to that community. When he spoke Jesus to those folks, he was the first. For many of them, he was the first representation of Jesus that they had ever seen or heard. He was the first voice of of good news. He was the first and the only messenger of the gospel of good news. If he didn't tell his story to them, who would? Part of my story, my story is what I can tell. I can tell my story because it's my story, and my story is going to be different than yours. In the same way that I know that I have to tell my story, I know that in order for full healing to take place in your life, you have to tell your story. Part of my story, part of my story is pornography is destructive. Pornography is dark, pornography is secret, and pornography will destroy not only your life, but it will try its best to destroy your marriage. But my story is also the power of accountability to the brothers of faith. My story is one of of if you will find folks who you can be accountable to, who you can be honest with. I mean, we're talking Scott, Jim, Paul, and Brad. Those four men, those men spoke Jesus into my life. Those men called me on the carpet. Those men checked my habits. Those men restored me to community of faith among the brothers. That's my story. And there is no longer condemnation who are those who are in Christ, to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because my story is not a one about pornography. My story is one about restoration and new life. My story is not, it's not about me. My story is about the power of Christ in me. It's no longer I who lives, but the Christ who lives in me. My story is one of, I met an amazing woman, and we got married. It was awesome. But my story also says, after seven years, there was a train wreck, just a few yards down the track and we had to do something. Thanks be to God. Mike spoke into our lives and Dave journeyed with us through professional counseling. There was confession. There was forgiveness. There was accountability, and my story is not one of of darkness and failure. My story is a story of Jesus. He spoke into our marriage, and Saturday, in just six days, we'll celebrate 28 years. Thanks be to God. So my story is one that I can tell, but you all have your story. I can't tell your story. My my story includes my my brother-in-law died, and then my father, and then my sister, and then cancer, and then my my father-in-law. And the toll that death and cancer from 2011 to 2019 the toll that that can take on a family, that that can take on on any one person, my lands. 
And you just didn't know if the next shoe was going to drop or the next, whatever analogy you want to talk about, the next straw was going to be laid on our backs and it would just break. You just didn't know if we could take another thing. But you know what? All along the way, different folks spoke Jesus into our journey. And I'm here today before you, New Life, because you spoke into our family, particularly when Leslie's dad was in hospice. And we were going through that period of time. Leslie's got her work. I've got mine. Her father-in-law's up in Akron. We're trying to work all this out and make things happen. My goodness, the church, you showered us with so much goodness. You spoke Jesus into our lives through your generosity, through your prayer. You know what? Never underestimate the power of sitting with someone and crying with them. Man. There's nothing quite like the presence of Jesus when a brother in Christ comes and sits with you and all they can say is, hey, I'll take these next steps with you. Sometimes it's the powerful presence of a brother or a sister in Christ that speaks Jesus into your pain. And folks, that's a story that's still being written. The toll that all of that over the past years have taken on my family, and, and I would love to say that the, the last sentence on that story has been written, and woohoo! no, no. And I know there's a, I, I know because you've spoken to me about this, or someone here that would say, yeah, I know that sometimes that pain is, is long. Sometimes the wounds are tender for years. But we journey together. And we find healing, not only in me telling my story, because not only is there healing when I tell my story, when I redeem the pain, but there's also healing when you can share your story with me. There's some stories I can't tell. I need you. We need you. There's some stories that I, I, I could give you the data. I could give you the statistics. I could, do the, I could teach you a class on how to do statistical analysis on the data about, about marriage and divorce, about all these, about death and about poverty and about sickness i but we don't we don't need that there are people who desperately need to hear your story maybe your story is one of it from addiction to freedom or maybe it's it's from living in abuse to to love maybe it's a story of from debt to stewardship or abandonment to restoration or from sickness to healing or from being broken to being restored. Your story of healing can speak Jesus into the life of your people. Go to your people and tell them what God has done for you. Tell them what Jesus has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. It will complete and continue. I should say it will continue the healing in you but will also allow healing in those who hear your powerful story. I need, I need to tell my story, and you need to tell your story because someone needs hope. Someone needs to know the grace and the mercy of God. Somebody needs to know of the power of forgiveness. And your story could very well just be that. But I am convinced that not only does someone need to hear your story, but you need to tell your story because that continues the healing. I don't know what it is, but I'm a sucker. I'm a softy, I should say. I'm a softy when it comes to baptism. 
my lands. I get emotional. <laughs> if you see me next week, I just, don't talk to me. I'm trying to hold it together. I love baptism. I remember, I remember distinctly the Sunday when my oldest son was baptized. And I, I got to tell you this. My oldest son was baptized, but it, he was only baptized after he got together with some of his friends in the youth group because it kind of went like this. Are you going to get up in front of the church and get baptized? <laughs> no way. No. Well, well, I will if you will. Well, yeah, I guess so. Four of them got in the, the baptistry together. It was awesome because we don't do this life alone, right? We don't do this life alone. And so my son and three of his other friends and the youth pastor are all in the baptistry together. And they were baptized. Oh, my goodness. The stories that came out of that, the power of God's transformation that comes out of that, the testimonies that came out of that. Just the idea that you don't have to do this alone came out of that loud and clear. When my youngest son was baptized, did it down at the river. Man, oh, just as a father to see that story, you know, it's like you're turning a page in the book. The story has been written and you turn the page, and you just know that you know that you know that now that you've turned that page of baptism, man, I cannot wait to see how the rest of the story unfolds. I hope you will come back next week. We're going to have a baptistry set up over here, and we're going to hear the testimonies of the folks who are making that mark, like stacking stones on the edge of the river. They're making that mark to give witness is an outward expression of an inward work of grace through their baptism. It's not only going to be transformational for their lives, but if you will come and listen and allow God to speak through you, their stories can play a big part in the work of God in your life. Now, I've been listening as I've been talking, and some of you are been kind of giving me some feedback, and I, I appreciate that, but I also know that there have been several of you that have been pretty quiet, and I want to talk to you for a minute. Some of you have a story. Maybe it's a story you feel like you don't even own. It's a story that's kind of been handed to you, a story that's been kind of thrown on you, and you don't like it. I understand that. And maybe you, you would be really honest and you would say that the author of your story today is not Jesus. You'd be really honest and you would say, I'm not doing a very good job of trying to edit, trying to manage, trying to write my story. There's a lot of chaos in my story right now. Right now. Will you allow Jesus to speak into your story today? He wants to give you the power to own your story so that you can, you can write the ending. You have that choice today. You can choose a new author of your life. We can turn the page. And there can be a new author, and there can be a new ending to your story. There are many of us in, that room, in this room today who have made that decision already. We've said, God, I, no. Mm -mm. I mean, some would say, Jesus, take the wheel, but I say, Jesus, take the, take, take the pen. I, I need you to write my story There's another group of folks in here who have a story to tell. 
But for you, but for you, you're similar to maybe you, you, you can relate to the woman who worked her way through the crowd and she just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus because she just wanted to be healed. And then she's like, I'm just, now just let me go. God has done a work in your life. If you're not telling anybody, the healing is not continuing. It's a real pain to clean out the downspouts when they get clogged up. If you, you know, you gotta, gotta keep them, got to keep the water flowing if you've been healed and you're not talking about it it's just sitting there you've got to tell your story because in the telling of your story you go from healed to whole in the telling of your story there is power to give hope to give a renewed sense of of almost desperation for the need for Jesus to speak into the lives of your friends. So for some of us, yeah, God did a great work. But I just don't have the courage to tell anybody. I just don't have the courage to say anything. Go. Go to your people and tell them what Christ has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. Go to a trusted person. Go to a brother or a sister in Christ who can hear your story and to hear. And when they hear you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about this. When we confess, when we tell our story, we have that confidence of knowing that we have been heard. We have that confidence of knowing that it's not just in your head. It's not just something that is going on in here, but it is real. And it has the transformational power to change lives. So I, I, I would ask that we respond. So let me talk to the first group of folks. You've been really quiet. But you understand now that you need a new author of your life. You understand now that you need Jesus to speak into your life. You want to turn the page so that you can have a different ending to your story. If that's you, can I pray for you? And, and my goodness, there will be so many of us. This is not something that has any ounce of shame in it. This is something that several of us have done. And if you will stand and say, I want Jesus in my life to write my story, my goodness, we will celebrate with you and we will welcome you into the family. You, if that's you today, would you please stand so that we can pray for you? I'll just hold for about 30 seconds. God bless you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else who would like to stand so that we can pray for you? You've been trying to write your story. You've been trying to fix things. To just lay it down and say, Jesus, here, here's the pen. I give my life to you. I need you to write my story. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you see your children standing here, you see your sons and daughter. standing right now, would you pray this prayer with me? God, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I give you the pen to the story of my life. I need you to take residence of my heart. I need you to transform my mind. Jesus, I don't know what all this means, but today, today I turn the page and I want you to write a new story. 
Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me just as I am. And thank you for your power that can change my life. And I'm trusting you as we move forward from this day. pressure, but I invite you to tell someone, because your story starts right now. I invite you to tell someone, someone in this room that you might know, you can tell me. It begins with telling your story. What did God write on your page today? Thank you. Let me talk to the other group of you folks. There are folks here who say, I have a story but with my story, there is still shame. With my story, there is still, I, I don't know, I just, I just haven't been ready to tell it because I don't know what people will think of me if they know. I am a child of God who knows that I need His grace. Every time that we have communion in this church, folks come up and participate because they know they need the grace of God. This room is full of people who know that they need the grace of God. If you need the grace of God so that you are able to tell your story, it is in the telling of your story to a trusted friend that you begin to receive healing and wholeness. It is in telling your story that the, the shame fades away and the confidence of Christ grows in you because it's no longer you. It is Christ in you. If you say, just want to be able to start telling my story because I need wholeness in my life. I'm not asking you to tell us what that story is. I'm not asking you anything other than would you just stand and let me pray for you? And when you stand, all you're saying is give me the courage, God, to tell my story. Not only the story for your healing, but I know someone needs to hear, somebody needs to hear the work of God in your life. If that's you, would you stand so that we can pray for you? God, give me the courage to tell my story. seconds this is sometimes the bravest thing to do is to take that first step Lord give me the courage to tell my story just a few more seconds thank you God bless you I say thank you because people of God need to hear these stories of transformation. The people of God need to know that God is at work in your life. And I know how much you guys will be blessed by the courage to tell your story. But let me pray for you. Father God, oh, thank you for the courage it took just now for these two daughters and son of yours to stand. They've got a story to tell. But we know that sometimes those stories still hurt. Sometimes there's still shame wrapped up in those stories. Sometimes there's still just the grief and the hardship and unforgiveness that are all a part of those stories. And it's not pretty. Sometimes, sometimes we dive into the middle of a story and things are still kind of crazy. But we've got a story to tell. 
I pray that you will bless the courage of these that have stood, that you will honor their willingness to say, I have a story, but it's hard. I pray that you will give them your peace, give them your confidence, and especially, I pray that you will put someone in their mind that they will know who they can tell their story to so that they can move from just healing but move to wholeness because we know that's what you want for us. You want us to be whole. Now, would everybody stand? I want to just say one last prayer and then we're going to sing and celebrate the power of the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the stories of this man and, and Mark, and I thank you for the story of the woman. I just, when we think about the power of the story in the gospel to change our lives, thank you that we have a story to tell. Give us the courage to hand you the pen. Give us the courage to tell our story. We know that you are a good God and we know that you will guide and direct our steps. Because if the story isn't good, then the story isn't over. Because with God as the author, with you as the author, we know this story will have a good ending. Thank you for loving us, God. And thank you for the power of story to change lives. As we sing now, I pray that the words of this song will give us the confidence and the courage to speak the name of Jesus. We ask all this in the powerful name of your son.